exciting when the Lord answers your prayers. Amen. One of those prayers that are answered today is that Abner is with us. We have had the privilege of his presence, the word of the Lord that comes through his heart, and uh, it's always a blessing. Amen? So I'm not putting him on the spot for today again, but, you know, it'll be a blessing. Come on, Abner. You want that? Yeah. Yeah. On. All right, I am on. Oh, there you go. I've already been turned on. Great. Good morning. Is it morning? You guys start a little. It's still morning. <laughs> I like, uh, I, I grew up around the things of God. And I think sometimes the reason they invented clocks is just to see if the day changed. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I don't mind really long meetings if God is in it. I mind long meetings when God's not in it. I, I've been in, I don't know, lots of meetings. It's part of what I do. And uh, I was riding home from a particular meeting. I'm not going to tell you where it was or what state, because I don't want you to try and identify it. But I was really worn out. And uh, the Lord, I want to put this over here. The Lord said to me, I said, I, I said, God, I've been in some long meetings, and I've done exactly what I did hundreds of times before. Why am I so worn out? He said, religion will wear you out. <laughs> Thanks, boss. I wasn't in charge. I just do what I'm told sometimes, you know? So there, there's, uh, anyway, I'm not going to touch that. But really good to be with you guys in the Northwest. Are, are, you, are you happy that you found the Lord and that you get to stand with him in the middle of everything? Like, like you stand with the guy where we, we win. You're like, you know, I'm not going through some stuff where I feel like I'm winning. I said, you still win. Some people are going to win now. Others are choosing not to win now. But if you're in Christ, you will win. You always win. So, and uh, sometimes people are like, well, how, how long do I got to keep standing? Well, you stand until you win. Amen. And you don't, you don't stop standing until God says it's over. And God's not going to say it's over until you win. <laughs> this is really good. Like some of you just, anyway, victory is your portion. So, well, uh, real quick, just tell you, we sold a lot of stuff this weekend, but uh, I do still have a few left from uh, the word the Lord gave me. Actually, beginning last fall, two, I called it 220 and beyond, and I did two nights going into the new year of what I felt like God was saying as we went into the new year. So if you want to avail yourself to that, that's in the back. If you actually want to follow what we're doing in our ministry, you can sign up for a mailing list. Uh, every... Thursday night, we start a webcast at 6.30 Eastern. You can just go on our website or our social media and YouTube and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. It's a program every week we do. This past week was just, I, I enjoyed it. So uh, that's how you can keep up with what we're doing. And um, let's see what the Lord's going to do today. So why don't we stand for a minute? I just sense before just I, we got into the what I felt like God just put on my heart. I felt like we should just take a minute, uh, well, we'll just see how long it is, but just a moment, and just take a moment just to listen to the Lord. There's moments of shout, there's moments of praise, there's moments where we sing in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. There's a moment, I just feel like there's a moment to just, not only just hear, but receive. One of the uh, values that I've learned in walking with the Lord is, you don't have to try and get in, you're already in. So one of, the, one of your jobs is to learn as a believer, learn how to receive his goodness, his kindness, and learn how to live as a dearly loved child. So Lord, we just take a moment and pause to receive. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you've got a lot going on, lots of difficulty, lots of challenges, just right now, just receive. And just, just let's say this together. Father, we receive this morning. Your goodness and your kindness. Mm. 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 This is a beautifully holy moment right here. Mm. God's releasing fire, peace, rest, trust.
For some of you, there's just like this simple word from the Lord. You can trust me. You can trust me. And I see Jesus putting his hands on some people's hearts and just releasing his peace, his rest, and his fire. And there's an open heaven here. So whatever you have need of in your body, in your mind, God is willing, not just willing, he's able. Hmm. Thank you, God. Hmm. I see God touching people's ears to hear, eyes to see. And the Lord says to his people today, don't be moved by what you see, even in the world around you. Only be moved by my voice and what I've spoken, not only in this season, but in seasons past. And I heard this during worship. I heard like this, the, 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 the roar from the people of God here in the Northwest, opening the heavens for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. And the Lord says, this area of the country will see an outpouring of the Spirit Miracles, breakthrough, harvest of souls in the middle of even great challenges, the Lord says, I'll cause my people to be a representation of my beauty to the people in the world around me. And I just see this beautiful thing. I actually see like this picture of the throne of the Lord just being enthroned on the states of Washington and Oregon. And the Lord says, I'm going to be enthroned and I will manifest myself. And I'll cause eyes to be open. So the Lord says to his people, it's not a season to fear. It's not a season to tremble, but it's a season to stay stationed and positioned correctly. To do and to move and to respond to the moving of my spirit. For even in this season, the Lord says, I, some of you will feel this on your hands, there's an anointing for the miraculous, there's an anointing to declare the word of the Lord, there's authority, there is goodness, even in my people's lips, even as the world, even, I just heard the phrase, falls off the cliff, I'll cause my people to be an anchor of hope in a world where people think they are in chaos. And the Lord says, don't lose, don't lose hope in this nation. The Lord says, you'll see a sign, even in the next coming months, of my righteousness and my righteous judgments, exposing, exposing corruption, exposing evil, even at the highest levels. The Lord says, there'll be a cleansing. There'll be a cleansing in this nation as a response to my people's prayers. And righteousness will prevail and my goodness will come in this nation in a manner you have yet to see. For though there have been many things that have happened in this nation that has been contrary to my ways and my word, the Lord says, I've heard the cries of my people, and there are righteous people standing in the gap. And it is even the prayers and the positioning of my righteous remnant that has kept the mercy of God over this nation. And I say to you, there's even a seven-year window of my mercy and my grace over this nation. It'll be a canopy of protection against the lies and the schemes of the enemy. And you'll see righteousness exalted. And the Lord says, use that time wisely because it'll be a season to position yourself properly for even what would come in the earth. So know this, says the Lord, that you live in strategic times, you live with a strategic purpose, and you live for the purpose of advancing my purposes in the kingdom. And the Lord says, I always get the last word. I always get the last word. Thank you, God. Someone's spine is being healed. Somebody's vision problems are clearing up. And I see like this small group of women, I believe that you're in this room and you pray on a regular basis and the Lord wants you to know, be encouraged, your prayers are praying, are breaking through and you're praying right prayers in this season. Thank you, God.
right knee be healed. Oppression, fear, torment, go in Jesus' name. So Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you're with us, in us, through us, for us. Now open up your word to us, Lord. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Teach us your ways. Lord, I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Thank you for what you're doing in this region and the country. Thank you that you have people who love you with all their heart and their heart after you. And Lord, thank you that today is a marking day in the spirit for your people. I just feel like there's a line being crossed today in the spirit by the people of God in this room. So Lord, thank you for that. And thank you, Lord, that uh, you do bring us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I felt this morning just to share with you just some uh, basic, simple truths, and you could make a much larger list today, but I felt led to uh, just share on the concept of five characteristics of disciples. And how many know if you're in Christ, you should be this constant disciple and learner? How many know if you're in, I got two amens for that, but it's true. <laughs> and how many know that if, even if you've been born again for 25 years, you are not a grown-up in the Lord? You could mature, but you're not a grown-up because God has no grown-ups. He said, unless you are like a child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That he, that, you know, uh, the disciples thought he was a you know, charismatic superstar, so they were keeping the kids away from him. They're like, no, 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 he's busy doing the Jesus stuff. And they're like, no, let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So you're on this constant, hopefully, pattern of constantly low, learning, growing, and uh, uh, hopefully pressing on to the mark of the high call. Yeah. I, I find uh, sometimes people kind of just stop their development if they've been uh, born again a while. I think I said it Friday night at Stillwater. I am uh, 42 years old, and I'm getting younger and younger. Amen. I am. The less you sin, the better your body looks and feels. Yeah. You ever see somebody after they get born again? <laughs> they look like they're 80 years old, and they, you know, they look like they've lost 40 years. Guy, getting that, you know, sin destroys you. Destroys your body. I, you know, sometimes I'm flying on planes, talk to these guys, I think they're like 50 years old, they got like no hair, they look like they haven't slept in like a week, I go, how old are you, 32, I'm going, Lord, Jesus, sin is not good to you, but uh, I'm, I'm shooting for 120, yeah, with all my faculties, well, strong in mind, I got, you know, this is the only life to live, so, and it's the this is the shortest part of your existence. You might as well maximize your time on earth. But at 42, I, I do not carry a picture of the day I was born around with me. I don't, you know, won't go out to eat this afternoon and go, hey, look, this is the day I was born. Isn't it awesome? They're like, this guy needs some help. My point in saying that is, it's absolutely important the day you got born again, but you won't be judged by being born again when you stand before Jesus. You'll be judged by what happened after you got born again. Sometimes we have these false measures. It's important that people get born again, but people in Christ, you're not, you are not going to be judged by simply getting born again. Every person in this room, you came to the earth with a purpose. No one comes, I, I think God's beyond genius level, obviously, because your parents could have hated each other, barely knew each other, but somehow God goes, ooh, I'm bringing another part of my purpose to the earth. Catch that, another part of God's purpose to the earth. You think about it, uh, however, however this works, he, he's really smart because he's, he's already gone to the end of your life before he even puts you on the earth. So before the end of your life, he's, how many agree that God had a, some of you look at me strange, but how many agree that God had a plan and a purpose for the earth? 
So he picks you for a strategic time to come to the earth. You, you, the day of your birth was not happenstance. And he puts you on the earth knowing full well that he's going to give you the privilege of being alive during, I don't like to call it pandemic because I don't think that's quite accurate, during uh, a crisis that's, that's literally shifting and changing nations and economic systems as we speak. Some of it's man-made, but he knew that you would be alive during this time. Just like I, I always think of uh, Joseph getting this incredible dream from the Lord at 17 years old. Before the world began, he goes, well, my, nation, my children are going to be in bondage one day, and I'm going to need a deliverer, so here you go, Joseph. So you will be judged not by the day you got born again. You'll be judged by what you did after the day you got born again. And here's the other beautiful thing. If you want to talk about disciples, here's a core value for you. God is a, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are 100% committed to the purposes of God being done in your life. Amen. That's a beautiful truth. They, they, it's not, like, it's not like, like, get it right and we'll help you. Like, you know, if you pray a little more, fast a little more, all that stuff is good. But it's not like they're going, uh, if you can get it right, we'll help you. The, the day you got born again, they're 100% in on you. And when, we, when, you, when you refuse to do what God has asked you to do, either in his word or he's spoken to you, what you're telling him is your resources are not good enough to help me in the world. <coughs> it's quiet with that one. Like, I just can't do it. Stop that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, it's just really hard. Well, you know, he never promised you easy. He just promised you the ability to do it. Sometimes people think that. Sometimes people think it's like, like uh, I, I've learned walking with the Lord, Jesus is comfortable. He died for me to overcome. You think it's comfortable to live a perfect life on the earth and have people accuse you anyway? You know, that's not comfortable. It's not comfortable going to a cross. But he had, the thing about it is, is, is for the, he's got this vision, he's got this image that when he dies, he's going to open the door for billions of people to be exactly like him and torment the devil. So when you're going through difficulty, you got to keep a vision of where God's taking you. So here's the first character, characteristic of disciples. Uh, and again, this is uh, certainly not exhaustive. Really simple truth. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have made a quality decision to place the kingdom of God first. Disciples of Jesus have made a quality, quality, excuse me, lifestyle decision to place the kingdom of God first. Look at, uh, uh, well, look at Luke 5, and then we'll, we'll address this point here. How many brought your Bibles, iPads, iPhones, something? You don't hear pages turning anymore. It's been a f probably six years, seven years since I was actually reading at a Bible, and I just started doing it when I'm at home. It's like very interesting. I was like, ooh, pages that turn. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone up from them, and they were washing their nets. And we got into what, excuse me, when he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from land, he sat down and taught the multitudes. But when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Yeah, that's what it's like to walk with the devil. You work really hard and no fruit. Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, had, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which he had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. We'll read verse 11 in a minute because it emphasizes this point. The reason I, I really love this story is there's so much in there. You could probably spend... Uh, a good while here on these series of verses. But what's really interesting here is obviously Jesus 
he prays all night before he chooses his disciples. And even as the perfect son of man, we know he's got to discern properly who's, who's going to be his disciples. And he comes to the lake, begins teaching, and I think, I believe, he, he knows full well uh, that he's got to call these guys to follow him. But he doesn't just start there and go, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to fulfill all the prophecies, so come and follow me. They have a problem. I don't know if you realize, but the world around us has lots of problems. And often, as believers, it's very important to discern where someone's at in, in their life journey. So often, it is our responsibility to serve them and to meet their problems so we can get them to the real question they should be asking. The world right now is not looking for Bible solutions, but they are looking for solutions. And this is a picture, too, of, of, of two different kingdoms operating. He's worked all night. He's worked really hard. That is what the world system does. It puts pressure on you that you cannot handle on your own. What are we going to do? I got to make, he's a fisherman. He hasn't caught any fish. Man, I'm working really hard. I, you know, I'm going to take an extra job. We're short of money, blah, 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 all this stuff. You don't have to live like that if you're in the kingdom of God. You do have to work. Work. We need more people who, in America who want to work. Apparently, you can get a job protesting these days, but that's a different story. But he's worked all night, and what's really interesting about this, I'm not a fisherman, never a fish. I think I've been fishing once in my life. People like, you want to go fish? No. Doesn't sound very fun to me. You're out with the boys. It's like, anyway, so he's in the same lake, and in the morning, I do know this because I've talked to fishermen. They go, morning, you don't want to fish in the morning. The fish are all gone in the morning. So now he's at a time where it's not the best time to fish. He's worked all night, not going to make any money because he hasn't caught any fish. And Jesus tells him, catch this, Jesus tells him, throw your nets to the other side. He is in the same lake in which he has caught nothing all night. It's a picture of believers. You could be in the same world. But when you got words from heaven, where other people are barren, you can be incredibly prosperous. I've been where Peter, because Jesus tells him to throw nets, and he throws a net. Almost cost him his fishing boat. So now Jesus has solved a problem that Peter had in that moment, and suddenly Peter realizes he is around someone who, who is from God, and he realizes, I'm a really bad dude. Notice that Jesus never says anything about his sin. It's fascinating stuff. But Peter realizes because he's in front of a righteous man, he is, he is confronted with the reality that he is not living correctly. That's fascinating. You ever been around people, they get a little upset around you, and you've never said anything about them? Hmm. It's that thing on the inside of them, the righteousness. So, throws a net to the other side, and Jesus goes, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Notice that Jesus didn't tell him, get everything right, and then you can follow me. If you get it all together, I'll help you. He just says, just follow me. So the call of every disciple, first of all, is to, is to follow Jesus, to know him, to be with him. We'll touch on that in a minute. And here's, here's, here's what he says here. Verse 11, so when they brought out their boats to the land, there it is. They forsook all and followed him. So there is no walking or discipleship process without the choice to forsake all and follow him. And what I've noted, what I've learned is that is not just a one-time choice. And you cannot be properly discipled by the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit unless you make the consistent choice to forsake all. And here's the other thing. The only deliverance from this world system is to forsake all and follow him. The most miserable people I have found are some of the most miserable people on the earth who know some truth about God but refuse to place him first in their life. And some of them live secretly offended at God because they think God should be doing certain things in their life and they're trying to get God to make certain parts of their life right, but they refuse to place him first as the foundation of their life. Amen. 
You also notice there, too, when they, they forsake all, and the, the choice to forsake all obviously doesn't mean that you've arrived. They, they have put, they, they put, they, they put their whole life into following him. Pretty big deal. And what's interesting there, it's only in that choice that they discover how dysfunctional they are. It's only in walking with Jesus that they discover that they want to be great, or they discover that Peter sometimes speaks when he shouldn't. But that's the beauty of walking with the Lord, that once you forsake all, you actually open the door of heaven to be delivered of all your dysfunction. But it's only in forsaken all that you can truly be delivered of all your dysfunction. It's in the context of walking with him. It's in the context of day-to-day life that he begins to teach them how to see reality and how to see reality from his perspective and how to shift and change. Because when you walk with Jesus, he will identify areas in your life that need adjustment so you can be like The challenge sometimes is we think that the, we sometimes, and I, and I, don't, I don't, don't like this, these terms, like when we, when we say that the, the things of God, oh, that's just really weird. You know, I'm just not used to doing that. No, no, no. That's normal. How you've lived a large part of your life is incredibly dysfunctional. So recognize that and then realize that that is real life in God. <laughs> like that's just unbelievable. No, no, it's very, very believable because it's who God is. Like, you know, it was just really strange. God spoke to me. No, it's not strange that God speaks to you. It's strange if you're walking with him, he doesn't speak to you. You know, I had this really weird dream. Was it from God? Then it's not weird. So change your language. Look at Mark 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going down a road, going out on a road, one came running, knelt before him, and he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 18, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now, catch this part. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things that I, I, all these things I have kept from my youth. So he's doing good, keeping the commandments. This is what I have learned. This is what it's like to to walk with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're obeying the Lord. I'm doing the right thing. Things are cruising along, but somewhere along, and I want to suggest to you too that he is he is probably partially rich because he is keeping the commandments. <laughs> That's a big one right there. But as he is walking and doing righteous things, there is something in his heart where he begins to trust these riches. Well, you know, if things in the economy go bad, I still got this, you know, 100 grand in the bank, or I got my 401k and the house is paid off. He is trusting those things more than he's actually trusting the God who gave him those things. So Jesus is about to challenge him in an area of his heart that has, that is, the trajectory of his heart is off, and the affections of his heart is off, and that's what I found. You can be walking with the Lord many, many years, and God will identify areas of the affections of your heart that are, that you are trusting more than you're trusting him. Notice, Jesus didn't say, no, 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 I saw you looking at the woman at the mall the other day, you gave her an extra look. He doesn't say that. He doesn't rebuke him. He goes, oh, that's great. This is what he tells him. And he answered, uh, uh, verse 21, Jesus looking at him loved him. I love that. When he's delivering you of your dysfunction, he loves you. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
catch the exchange there in verse 21. Take up the cross and follow me. I want to suggest to you that when God deals with us in these areas, it's usually not a matter of heaven or hell. I've had the Lord tell me, I go, I, that, that, is, I, that is not comfortable. And I don't, like, that, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to really enjoy doing that. And he goes, well, you don't have to do it, but you won't grow, and you won't do what I've asked you to do in that area. And he often will tell me, he goes, I thought you said you'd do whatever I asked you to do. He takes me up on that one. And then I always think of this verse here. If I don't do what he's asking me to do, I can't follow him in an area that I've never followed him before. The exchange there was he could sell everything. And what's really interesting is scripture never tells us who this guy is. I believe if he, if he obeys the Lord, gives everything away and follows the Lord, I think we know him for the rest of eternity. And he could have been, think about it, there's not many people that are in heaven right now that can say, I was in the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association. He could have been on staff with Jesus when he walked on the earth. But he wanted to hold on to what was comfortable. So I find this quality decision to put God first as we walk with him. And you know, we know this, right? Most people in this room, you know when God is speaking to you. The devil is not going to tell you to forgive your boss. The devil is not going to tell you to give a lot larger offering than you thought you were going to give. The devil is not going to tell you to buy groceries for the family next to you for the next year. There's just some simple ways to discern real quick when you know you're hearing from the Lord. And the other thing I've learned, I mentioned it before, I've learned when you really are going to follow God as he intends you to follow him, it will be a life of inconvenience. It just is. Here's second characteristic of disciples. This is my second introduction. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have a deep fellowship with God. Do you know it's possible to know when you see God moving but never know God yourself? Psalm 103 tells us this. He made known his ways to Moses, so that means Moses knew how God operated and his acts to the children of Israel. You know, we see sometimes different TV personalities or we see different people operating and what we, what we see from their life sometimes causes us to think that we know them and we only know one aspect of them or we only know one one aspect of what they're doing in their life, but we really don't know them. We really don't know their personality. There's some, uh, some well-known people that I wish I'd never got to know. I just said, let me just focus on that strength in their life. So there's a difference, and there's a difference between being around the things of God and knowing God. So do you have a lifestyle of deep fellowship with God? And I just want to tell you, it's always been true, but especially true right now. Your life of fellowship's got to go way beyond praying for your food. <laughs> this is not a time to, talk, to check in with the Lord. This is a time where you better know him, know his voice, hear his voice, do what his voice says. Be, it will literally, I believe, be life and death now for some Americans. I found that one of the reasons many believers never develop a life of fellowship with God is they never discover how wonderful it is. And if you're in Christ, you're not living this lifestyle of intentional fellowship with the Lord 
What you're really saying is, I can live this life better without God. You know, here's a common one for America. I'm just really busy. That's right. That's the problem. You're really busy. (laughs) I guarantee you, $50,000, if you'll put God first, you'll find your busyness comes into a different type of rhythm. You'll also find that many of the things that you're busy doing, God never called you to do. (laughs) Thank you for the... God, I'll just stick here. Just stick with the encouragement. <laughs> deep fellowship with the Lord. You know, there, you know, another characteristic of having a deep fellowship with the Lord is that you know, you know, you deeply come to know characteristics of who God is. You know his kindness for you. You know the fear of the Lord for you. You know how big he is. And you know it by experience. I'm not an expert, but I tell you what, no one can ever talk me out of my relationship with God. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. Sometimes I don't know if I've been in heaven on earth, but it was all good. I know God is real. He's not an idea to me. He's not an intellectual concept to me. The love of God is not an intellectual idea to me. And how many know there's a rhythm in walking with the Lord, and you got to capture that rhythm every day? Some days, that rhythm is like that warfare rhythm, like real warfare. Then other days, it's just like, this morning, I was just sitting there just staring, not really saying much, but just that peaceful rest of the Lord. And I was thanking him, Lord, thank you that I'm with you. What do you want to do today? And sometimes in the most unspiritual moments, he just starts talking. I've known that. God's not like us. That's why he'll talk to you in the shower. He's a spirit. So it's not like, oh, they're naked. He's not thinking you're naked. He's just like, let's talk. Your greatest satisfaction will be found in a lifestyle of deep fellowship with the Lord. If you're not living a lifestyle of fellowship now, why would you want to go to heaven? That's part of the whole thing. You're going to be with him forever. You're going to get a billion years to discover the God who can never be exhausted. It's a beautiful thing. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's look at Psalm 24. Are you still with me? It's gotten quiet in this room. Psalm, the 27th chapter. One thing have I desired, that will I seek. You realize God is incredibly intentional. You're not here by accident today. Is anyone here by accident? Did did anyone, God, pull them out of their bed and make them come today? You were intentional in coming. When you're intentional with God, he's incredibly intentional to you. He says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. It's in the intentionality. One thing will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Here's the best part of this. To behold the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. For I love this. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. It's good news. But it all starts with that intentional seeking. I love walking with God because he's always asking you to do things you don't think you can do. And how many know he's given us the power to do everything he's asked us to do? He would be unjust if he ever asked us to do something he hadn't given us the power to do. So it's like, this is what it's like walking with the Lord. He's like, I want you to spend time intentionally seeking me. I go, God, this seems kind of boring. I've never done that. I feel very unqualified. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Okay. Lord, I worship you. Oh, God, this is amazing. He goes, yes, you've done a good job. So I'm rewarding you for what I gave you the power to do. 
It's a good kingdom. It's a really good kingdom. That's why it's good news. Here's number three. I intertwine it with this one. Have come to know the nature of God towards them and towards humanity. Here's what Jesus teaches. Look at Matthew 22. The reason this is so important is because it's in the context of loving God properly that you can only love the world around you properly. Look at Matthew 22. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And when one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? I think there were 300 negative and positive because they added all these things to the law to try and, you know, get people to comply with the law. And also for culturally, this was a common question they asked. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he tells us, this is the first and great commandment. Now, don't disconnect these two. Jesus connects the first and the second is like this. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what does he tell us? He said, some people go, well, you know, I got first and then second. These two are interconnected. You cannot disconnect them from each other. When the people of God love God properly, they will naturally love their neighbor properly. John would pick up this theme in his epistle. He said, if you say you love God but hate your neighbor, what? You're deceived. He says, so if you claim a reality but deny it in practical application, there's actually deception in your mind. So I've learned this. The only way I can properly love people, and also when I look at people because they're not as perfect as me, amen? (laughs) Especially some of my political leaders, you know? When you know when when you when you start getting those thoughts of like well I just would never do that just like, what's wrong with them they're messed up you know like fool you know all these thoughts you have that you take you need to take them captive that I remember how gracious and merciful and patient has God been towards me mm-hmm. and then I go God how do you see this person. You know, sometimes when I ask God that about our president, he goes, I just see him like a little boy mm-hmm. who's still got some wounds I'm walking him through. Mm-hmm. God, when you start asking God's perspective on certain people, it'll change how you view them. I'm really, really thankful that God didn't leave me in my messed up state. And didn't define me by that. You know, there's this, there's this religious, sometimes, temptation by believers to judge people in their present condition. Number four, have made the word of God their highest end. There's just a simple thought here. What did Jesus teach us? Man shall not live by bread alone. What? By every... Notice, notice the, 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 the picture he paints there. Man shall not live by bread alone. So he tells us, we know naturally, I don't know, I think you can only go, how long is it can you go without food? Not very long. Have problems. So he likens eating food and nourishing your body to the word of God. He said, just like you cannot live properly without food nourishment, you can't live without the word of God. And here's what I've learned. It's the preceding word of God. God wants to build. Your life is like a, a, a likened to like a, if you see like a natural building, he's building your life in a spiritual way. He's building the inside of you and he will, he will give you truth in degrees. Jesus actually says in John 3, there are many things I have to tell you, but you can't bear them now. So what's he saying? There are words and there are truth that you can't receive unless you first begin to build from a foundation where you can 
steward, receive, expand, hold, this, that. And so he doesn't tell us everything you know. And then Jeremiah the prophet tells us, call unto me and I will show you mighty things which you do not know. (laughs) That's a good one. That means there's a whole lot of things that God wants to tell us that we don't know. So here's a beautiful illustration. The word of God comes to us in seed form, and the word of God has creative power. I'll just use one illustration for my life. Uh, 24 years ago, have this life-changing shift, my, literally in one moment. I'm a testimony of the goodness of God. 24 years ago, literally, the whole trajectory of my life changed. I thought I was going to go to law school. You know, I had it all figured out. I would have been a decent lawyer, too, I've been told. I know. I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. Never desired it. Never into- I thought preachers were weird, especially traveling ones, because the ones that came to my church dressed their kids up in the same clothes and made them sing, and they lived in RVs, and I did not want to live in an RV. And I didn't want to go to Africa either. Now I go to Africa all the time. So he shows me. You're going to go around the world. You're going to preach the gospel. Had no idea. Okay, yes, Lord. So what does it do? The seed of a different world came into a receptive heart. Not anything changed on the outside the day I said yes to that and agreed to that. But the seed of a different world went in my heart. So what am I doing? I'm building the foundation of my life like that. What's really interesting is probably for six or seven years, the Lord doesn't talk to me anything about my ministry. Talks to me about a lot of character stuff. Next thing I know, about a year later, he, he, he connects me with this place. He goes, this is a place that I don't want you to miss a service, and this is a place that I'm going to launch you and plant you. Yes, Lord. Another seed. While I'm in that, I was, I was a, a, a scholarship athlete. I told the Lord, well, Lord, do you want me? You know, you, get all, you get, get all these ideas that you think are smart until you talk to God about it. You're like, Lord, do you want me to finish school? No, I want you to stay in school. I have the school of the Holy Spirit for you. No man is going to get credit for what I do in your life. Another step forward. So the seed of a different world comes on the inside of you, but he gives you truth in degrees, and he grows you by your ability to agree with that. Now, you don't have to be perfect, because I've made lots of mistakes, but what the, the, the most important thing is that you stay the path in what God has called you to do. Another area, I can just list many areas. Day after that experience, I'm reading my red Bible that I hadn't read all semester. You don't have time to read your Bible when you're chasing girls, college. It's a different story. I read, if you believe, you'll not only do the works that I am doing, but you'll do greater works. So, wow, I believe. That's the commitment I made to the Lord. I said, I want everything in the book, and I want to live a life that maximizes everything you've told me to do on the earth. So I'm in the cafeteria like within that week, and somebody goes, oh, I got pain in my neck. I said, my God heals that. Let me pray for you. No word of knowledge, no thunder, lightning, no, you're called to heal the sick. I just read it in the book. So I pray for the person. And he goes, I can feel fire. I said, I don't feel anything, but fire must be good unless you're dead. But the more I did that and obeyed the word of God, he began to show me different things about how people can receive healing, words of knowledge, and began to discover that a lot of times people's sickness in their body has to do with other emotional hurts and traumas and all this stuff, but you don't begin to grow in that truth until you apply the truth. So he gives you truth in degrees. He wants to grow you into all truth. And the moment you go, "Uh, don't want to do that, it's the moment you will stay immature in that area. And don't worry, God is really, really gracious. Really gracious. Like if he keeps wanting to grow in an area, you can leave the church and get mad at the leader and the next church you'll go to. It might take a while, but eventually God will get to that place in your life. It's time. So the word of God. Here's another part about living by the word of God. Have you learned or are you practicing consulting with God in every decision that you make? I've learned that one. (laughs) 
I remember doing something years ago. I thought it was a really good idea in ministry. And he goes, why did you do that? I said, well, I thought it was the best thing to do in that situation. He said, you could have saved yourself a lot of time and asked me. Right, boss, got it. Because I was just thinking. That's the problem. I was just thinking. I was just thinking. You know, God's even in the small stuff. About three years ago, I had to get something shifted and changed in my computer, need more hard drive. And so I called this place. They had helped me before. And God told me, he said, go to the one across town. This is like 15 minutes, 20 minutes away. I'm a busy, I don't know if God realizes, I'm a busy person. So I just went to the one close because it was going to save me time. I about wanted to strangle the manager after three months of not getting what I needed. God finally goes, go across town. They took care of it for me in four days. He knows stuff, doesn't he? He just really knows stuff. I tell you, he's beyond genius levels, what I say. So I've learned. And that's one of the, the core values I tried to live with. I never assume that I know what God is doing. You know, sometimes you're in a meeting, you know, I, this God's like, I want to heal it. Well, how do you want to do it? And sometimes he tells you, you make a decision, I'll back it. Sometimes he goes, do it this way. Sometimes he goes, do it that way. But since we're friends, sometimes he backs what I want to do. But I always got to consult him. He's always in charge. Here's the final one. Well, it's not too late. I think the, the first NFL games are finishing right now. So, Here's a final one. Have learned to lead, uh, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have learned to lean into God's strength in the middle of adversity. You know what I've learned is that God is definitely not cre- uh, mean or cruel. It's not like he's a child abuser, but he will allow you to be in situations that he could stop in his power to allow you to identify certain things in your heart, but also he allows you in those situations so you can learn how to stand in the middle of adversity. Remember one time, there was a season in my life where it was like everything, I was t- didn't feel like anything was working. You ever been there? Me, not you. And I went to the Lord about this. And, I, and he, said, he said to me, I still always remember this. He said, I didn't bring you into a wilderness to kill you. I said, well, that's good news. I brought you in a wilderness to teach you how to be an oasis in the middle of adversity. Look at Psalm 39. No, not Psalm, Genesis 39, excuse me. One of my favorite people in scripture, Joseph. Genesis 39, verse one. And Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, of, of the guard an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now notice, we know, we know the backstory to this, that Joseph is literally, first, the first thought his own brothers have is to kill him. So the good news is that Joseph has not been killed. He's simply been sold into slavery by his own brothers. The reason I say that is often we will experience traumatic things, and one of the number one tools of the enemy is to make us a victim of that circumstance. In fact, you see it happening in America where it's now popular to be a victim. People... people making up stories that they got beat up on streets because they think it'll make them a victim. That's crazy stuff. Always blame Trump supporters, too. <laughs> Them Trump supporters, you know. <laughs> anyway, it's, I think it's funny. Sad, but funny. But if there was anyone who could have chosen to take the mentality of a victim, it could have been Joseph. 
my brother sold me. I had a really nice jacket from my dad, and it, you know, they took it away from me. My dad thinks I'm dead. Here I am. Because the enemy in adversity will try and define you by the circumstance you're in, not by the revelation that God has given you. Read verse 2. I don't know if we read it. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful. I think the NIV says he was prosperous. The Lord was with Joseph. Anytime in adversity, in any situation you're facing, just, and it's really important that you actually say it. I just say it sometimes when I face a challenge. The Lord is with Abner in this situation. And the Lord has given me a promise that's going to break me through in this situation. Now back to the word, too. When, you, when you're facing difficulty, find a verse, a series of verses, a prophetic word, but most importantly, that written word. When people come to me like, well, we're just, we're having a lot of difficulty in this area. I go, the first thing I go, I'll pray for you. We'll agree. We'll, you know, whatever. We'll agree. We'll prop, whatever it is. But what verse are you standing on? Well, we just have a lot of problems. What verse are you standing on? That might be your first problem. What scripture are you standing on? Well, you just, we have a kid that's away. What scripture are you standing on? What is the scripture over that child's life? What is it that God has told you about his destiny or her destiny? Well, we're just really frustrated. What scripture are you standing on? You got to cut through all that stuff. I'm compassionate for people, but you can't, you can't stay in that world. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. That's a key part of his story. Then he made him overseer of all the house, and he put, and he put under his authority. So it was from that time he made him overseer of that house and all that he had. And the Lord, catch her this, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. Why? For Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. This is fascinating to me. He is a slave. This man can do anything he wants with him, and it is the blessing of God upon him that is a blessing this man. I have learned that unless we learn that one of the reasons, that the number one reason the blessing comes on us is to be a blessing to the world around us, even when it does not advantage of us, that's where we will serve the world the best. It's a question I always ask myself. Can I be a blessing to people when it has no apparent benefit for me or my ministry? I want to make that choice every day. Serving, prosperous. How are you prosperous when someone else owns you? It was an inside deal, his mindset. And he, I, I believe he, he reminded himself, no, God said in this dream, this is what my life is going to be. And if I'll just stay the course, if I'll serve, if I'll have integrity, if I will do what God has asked me to do, even in the difficulty, this man is being incredibly blessed because I'm here and it has no benefit for me right now. God said, this is my destiny. Final verse here. Look at Psalm 112. It's one of my life verses here. You can read this one every day. It'll do your heart good. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light and darkness. He is, I love this, he is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretions. This is, this is part of why I read this today. Verse 6. Read this over yourself and say it in any difficulty. Surely he will never 
be shaken. The righteous will be an everlasting remembrance. I love this. Doesn't mean he won't have evil tidings. It just means he won't be afraid of them. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And this is a prayer I've been praying for many years, right? Many years now. His heart is established. I pray every day, Lord, keep me with an established heart. What's an established heart? No matter what goes on around me, no matter what comes my way, no matter what difficulty comes, I'm standing where God stands. I will not be moved. God wants to deliver the body of Christ of schizophrenia. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. They will gnash his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. Mm. The word of God is good, isn't it? Did you receive this word this morning? This afternoon now, why don't you stand and just begin to give God praise. Father, we honor you. We exalt you. We thank you for your word. Just, just lift your voice to him for just a few moments. We honor you today. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We honor you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Yeah, just open your mouth. Something about opening your mouth this afternoon. We honor you, God. We exalt you. We recognize our dependence upon you once again, God. You are kind. You are good. You're gracious. You're merciful. Let's pray in the spirit for just a few moments. Some of you will get a different tongue. There's a diversity of tongues God's releasing. Just lift your voice, lift your voice. Let the word of the Lord just flow out of your mouth. I just see it again. I just see Jesus marking people here this morning. There's a marking from heaven. There's a marking for heaven for purpose. There's a marking for heaven to walk in victory. There's a marking for heaven to speak the word of the Lord over, over your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Thank you, God. Mm. Mm. Let's just wait a minute here. God's going to just speak. He'll speak personally. Mm. Just repeat this, say, Lord. Speak for your servant is listening. Just let the Lord minister to you right there. God's speaking. Any area, even as the teaching of the word came forth, that you need to shift, change, 
Just ask the Lord to forgive you. Just real simple. Lord, forgive me. That's it. Any area that needed adjustment. Hmm. Thank you, God. Mm. Mm. Thank you, God. Mm. Mm. See, several of you just at crossroads in your life. It's just so, so important that you make this a practice of just listening. Some of you, it's in the morning, but you'll hear his voice. You'll hear his voice. You'll hear his voice. Thank you, God. Hmm. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hmm. Thank you, God. Hmm. Dreams. This week, some of you are going to have dreams. This week, some of you will have encounters because there's doors of encounters opening for you. This week, you'll see Jesus as you've never seen him. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Right shoulder. God's healing somebody's right shoulder. Thank you, God. Mm. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Look this way. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it.